fucking master! What's hers? I'm all turned around. Well, don't look at the state map. This is my second day in a fucking car, man. Stop. Please help. Are we gonna help him? No. This has gone too far. It has to stop. Where is he? We'll get through this. I know. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Brickmasters podcast, a spoiler-filled recap for the hit HBO series, The Last of Us, starring Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey. I'm your host, Chris Lamberth, and with me on this endeavor is my wonderful co-host, media studies professor, Dr. Veronica Paredes. How are you, Veronica? Chris, I've got a question for you. You got a question for me. All right. Yeah, yeah. You know, why did the mycelium fall in love with the soil? I have no clue. Because they had a deep connection. Wow. Okay. A very deep connection. <laughs> if I knew what my what's mycelium? That's the underground network of mushroom communicators. Wow. There you go. There you go. That's their All filament. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I've also I put some of these into chat chat GPT yesterday. I wanted what's, some puns. What's chat GPT? It's like an AI that's like a chat bot. It's like uh so you put in, hey, give me a pun joke about Chekhov's gun. Okay. So it was like, okay, why was Chekhov's gun always well prepared? Why? Because it was loaded with dramatic tension. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. That's fine. Oh, there were some really bad ones though. It was just like uh objective fact. Uh so that was the best mycelium one I got to. There was a lot of like, why did the mushroom go to the party? Because he was fungi to be with, and it just reworded that. Oh, that's funny. Ways. That's funny. You like that one? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I got a why did Black History Month cross the road? Uh oh. Oh shit. What what why? To get to the other side of equality. Oh, good. All right. All right. I didn't I know where know. that was. That was a word. I was worried about that one too. I was worried I was. about that too. Yeah. But it was okay. It's okay. Cool. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I've got more. We'll thread them throughout. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, we're gonna talk about episode four. What did what did you think overall? Episode four, please hold to my hand. Directed by Jeremy Webb and written by Craig Mazin. How'd you feel about this episode overall? Yeah, I liked it. Uh, I thought it was um, introducing these characters that aren't in the game, you know, Kathleen and Perry. Um, it did feel a little bit like, okay, we're setting things up. We're setting mm -hmm. things up for future uh, action. But I thought the dynamic between Joel and Ellie was really sweet in development. So, yeah. yeah. I, I agree. I I felt I, I really did like this episode. And I like I was telling you before we hit record on this one, one of my favorite moments of the show so far are in this episode. And uh, and it was like a a nice steady build to it. And it was uh, really fun, really sweet. I really I really did enjoy it. I liked uh Kathleen, I liked her being in it. We'll talk about that. And uh, it just made things more 
uh, made it made things more grounded from the video game. The 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 diversions that they made were like, oh, cool, okay, I see what you're doing here. So, I dug that. Um, yeah. Before we get into this, I I did not say we didn't talk about this last week, but rest in peace to actor Annie Wershing, who originated the role of Tess in the video game of The Last of Us. Oh, she right. she passed away. Uh, uh, had an untimely death. Uh due to uh, cancer she was also uh in 24 star trek picard bosch runaways so many um uh, roles that she was wasn't necessarily a household name but someone who popped up and when she popped up you were glad that she was in the thing that you were watching um mm-hmm. it's really really sucks uh but i i wanted to shout her out because she's a part of uh entertaining me uh and one of the uh one of my favorite pieces of media ever so r.i.p to her and um i think that's the way you want to go out if you're any type of artist that, that you made people feel better and the better when you leave the world's a, a better place because you were there so r.i.p to annie Wershing. um all right without further ado Let's just let's break down this fucking show. Let's do this. One of the shortest episodes um, oh, yeah. of the series. Is it a shorter I, running time? Yeah. Um, if I, I do two minutes. Oh, wait, it, this is like extras. Yeah, they it was they got it because I was looking at the time as I was. I didn't. If you can find that, let me know. 45 minutes. OK, about. yeah, 45 minutes. So episode or one even less than that because you've got some intro in there so about yeah 40 yeah two. yeah because episode one was um really two episodes and that's why right. they only have nine so they took some from so we it gets left on a cliffhanger it's like we could have had a little more time but i like the way they did it i like the way they did it i'm not mad at it at all um all right so we open on ellie in a bathroom in a men's bathroom playing with a gun in the mirror, the gun that she found uh, at Bill and Frank's uh, place. Everyone saying this online is saying this is her Travis Bickle taxi driver moment. Uh, I wrote my comment is that she looks fucking adorable doing it, playing with the gun. But we know this is all like, I know this is all going to change. It's, it's what a kid would do. Like I think a kid with a gun would do. Um, I don't think she's made that transition just yet with like, I'm a monster. And we're going to see, we're going to see when she's put to the test, how that happens. But that's my little commentary on it. She puts it in her bag and uh, she and Joel are at uh, an abandoned gas station. And Joel is siphoning gas out of a car uh, because the gas breaks down after a while, after like 20 plus years. It's pretty much water, so they have to stop a lot. And Joel's trying to explain what it, the siphoning is, but he really can't. And she's like, you don't understand, do you? He's like, ah, whatever. I know how to do it or whatever, you know. And so it's kind of dull. And then Ellie pulls out this joke book called No Pun Intended 2 by a comedian, Will Livingston. And it's just like the game. Joel is not amused. She she rattles off a few jokes. Um Ellie says he'll be back. You know, he'll, there's you can't escape Will Livingston. He'll be back. There's nothing you can do to stop him. And a fun fact: 
Um, this is taken from the Last of Us wiki. I'll read you read you the little blurb I, I found. No pun intended. Volume two is an artifact that can be found in the Last of Us and the DLC Left Behind. In the Last of Us, it's obtained in the chapter Lakeside Resort. It is one of Ellie's personal belongings and is already in her backpack at the start of the chapter. And left behind, Riley gives the book to Ellie in the chapter Fun and Games. So we will see that probably later on in the series, but that's a little background on, on that joke book. What are your thoughts yeah. on this opening uh, sequence? Yeah, it contrasts the, that opening. Um, I hadn't realized it was a men's restroom, but you know, it's a restroom. Um, There's a urinal in there. I, oh, I just, okay. I just picked up on that when uh, uh, I was just looking at a recap. I was like, oh yeah, there's a urinal in there. Right. You know, the light and the way that she's lit, it's lit from the top, even mm -hmm. if it's like this uh, kind of um, dirty, filthy place of a public restroom. Yeah. Uh, there's the nature that's overgrown it. And you kind of, you contrast that with the beginning of, is it episode two, where she's waking up in this kind of uh, fetal position lit yeah. on the top. And so, yeah, I think that you're right in that there's still an innocence there, but the gun is introduced. Right. And when I saw that, I was just like, well, okay, a gun in the first act. We're going to see some kind of <laughs> use yeah. of this gun. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a promise being made to the viewer that uh, Ellie's going to use this gun somehow. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that but there's also this thing that you're describing throughout that the creators are thinking about. Uh, how is she a child? How is she, what does it mean to be in this um, age, be the age that Ellie is in this time, mm -hmm. which is so complicated and, you know, um, kind of learning things that kids shouldn't be having to learn. Yeah. It's a, it's a fascinating thing. Uh, the way that like when Ashley Johnson did the role, I, she was, she had to be in her twenties or thirties. I think she's probably, a couple years younger than me. I just want to look this up because you you just made me think of this. Ashley Johnson's 39. She was born in 83, so she's three years younger than me. Probably when she was doing the game, she's probably 28, 29. If they started for a long time. When the game came out, I was 33. She would have been 30. So she's probably in her late 20s when she was working on this. And for her to be able to capture that essence of a 14 year old that's one thing that's fucking brilliant and then uh obviously bella ramsey's five years past being 14 uh but it, it's still i really appreciate it i really appreciate this development of ellie the production team bella ramsey i i really love this because i i don't know i can't it's almost indescribable how i feel about it it's it's great um she is yeah. a kid she is a kid it's, they're making it clear that she's a kid um must so they're so they're driving off and they're looking at this you can see this uh, landscape of all these cars that have been kind of pushed out of the way to make this path uh joel says must have been some truck they used the big ass plows to put on them to clear the roads for their tanks and such ellie's like oh i want to see a tank 
He says, you will, you know, tanks, choppers, all that stuff. But they use them to fight the wrong enemy. Like, so the the governments, the soldiers use them to fight off people in, instead of the infected. So they use it to will their power on people. Um, uh, Ellie finds a tape and it's a, it's a Hank Williams tape. This is our first and only needle drop in the show. Uh, it's Hank Williams's Alone and Forsaken, which was recorded in August, between August and May, August 1948 and May 1949. It was released in 1955. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a great song the way it's direct. It's directly from the game. This, this whole sequence happens in the game. Uh, Ellie, she finds the tapes. Oh, does it make you feel nostalgic? Joel says, that's before my time, but it's still a winner. It's a winner, though. And they're driving along. Ellie sees, pulls out this porn mag called uh, Bearskin Magazine, which is a male porn magazine. And it's just like the game. Um, I want your thoughts on this, because this is something we referenced a couple of episodes back, maybe last week when we were talking yeah. about... Um, the someone wrote the fact that this Bill and Frank scene corrected the wrongs of the game, and they mentioned that sequence, and we still we get the sequence in live action form. So I don't know, like what maybe they were just um, reaching for that, and we still get that joke in there. You know what I mean? So right, right, and pretty closely hewing like really close to what it is in the game, right? It's yes. like the script is the same. Yeah. Uh, the joke, uh, I didn't realize that, you know, she says this thing about the pages being stuck together and then yeah. undercuts it by saying, I'm messing with you, right? Mm -hmm. So she herself is knows that she, she's playing naive in order to make Joel uncomfortable. Right, she's totally fucking, um, she's like, I'm just fucking with, I'm fucking with you. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's a joke, um, but yeah, I think that um, hmm, that along with like the Will Livingston book and all the puns, it kind of um, feels motivated of like her really immature humor. Yeah, that is like, and it's not the only lens that we're looking through. Like, and I'm sure the game isn't that way either. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, like having that kind of longer, deeper history with Bill and Frank, I don't know. I don't know if it it so the, the issue is like the repair work that's allegedly happening right <laughs> that you're describing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I think it's just like and that's just it's a, she's 14. You know what I mean? Like she's going to make those jokes. It is what it is. Um but yeah. it, it, the the intent was to make Joel uncomfortable. Um, right. Like and to just said. say something stupid and really uh, annoying and gross. And that's what mm -hmm. she's doing throughout. Right. Yeah. So it's going to be really gross and annoying. And yeah. she's kind of testing, like, can I be like this with you? How are you going to right. react to that? Yeah. Right. It's definitely a thing that um, I noticed on my last playthrough of that, like that is a. It's called like what is the name of that trophy there's a there, it's a trophy just like if you listen to all of ellie's jokes you win a, an achievement trophy and so when there's a dead moment ellie will pull out her joke book and and start you know cracking 
reading those jokes. And it's yeah. like it's just like an endearing thing. It's like, you know, uh, it's fun. Um, so that song's playing. They're driving along, they pass some buffaloes, they pass an abandoned theme park, which means that they're relatively close to they're close they're close to the city, to to Kansas City. Um this this a theme park called Worlds of Fun, which is a real theme park. And um there's this dilapidated bridge. Uh looks like it there's a tr- like a bombed out uh bridge where trains train you can still still see the trains still on there might have been something where they were bombed i don't know um then they it really just kind of shows the beauty of america even still even though it's post-apocalyptic you know just how nature it's a constant theme of how nature just continues on uh without us and how small we really are as humans right um and then well, they, and a lot of people oh. took issue with it because sorry it's it's oh. not america right it's not shot in the u.s it's not in uh calgary and in alberta right. yeah yeah it's fine so, yeah yeah it's creative you... license this is yeah. a construction it's a tv show and they're doing that uh to change the location from right the game which was pittsburgh right to kansas mm-hmm. city yeah, because Pitt they they wanted to progress the story and to make that trip um quicker. Uh because yeah, yeah, you're you're right in the game. You leave Lincoln uh mass and you're in Pittsburgh, that's not that far away. It's like seven, eight hours, eight, eight to ten hours away. Anyway, um Joel decides to pull over and they go, they pull off and in, into the woods and set up camp. Uh you cut to them eating 20 year old uh chef boyardee ravioli uh ellie's like chowing down he's like slow down she says no this is slow so she's grubbing out and she's like what is this anyway (laughs) she doesn't even know what she's eating and she's just like grubbing down on it and uh did you like chef boyardee when you were a kid uh yeah it was good i haven't had it since maybe (laughs) that ellie is here i don't remember the last time i ate it yeah, I, I wasn't the big it was fine, but I was more of when I was Ellie's age, it was it was Stouffer's lasagna. Uh, I, that yeah. I liked a lot. That was a that was a big deal. Stouffer's lasagna. Um okay, so there so Ellie says Ellie wants to start a fire and Joel says no. He's basically what did he say? He said something like, uh you don't you know why I'm gonna tell you no. And she's like, well, infected? And he says, it's too remote. The infected won't, can't reach out here, can't get here. Um, People. Message. People are Mm -hmm. the reason. Doesn't want hunters to catch, find them. Ellie says, what are they going to do, rob us? Joel says, they'll have way more in mind. They'll have way more in mind than that. Um, Joel plans to drive all day and all night the next day to get to Wyoming. They're in their sleeping bags. Um and uh ellie yeah okay so ellie asks another joke can i ask you a serious question why did the scarecrow get an award and joel says because he was outstanding in his field ellie gets mad she's like you dick you know so he answers her back with with that joke he gives her the punchline. ellie says the, these people you said there's no way 
there's no there's no way no one knows we're here, right? No one's gonna find us. And Joe says, no one's gonna find us. Ellie says, okay. So after that, you see Joel get up and he's like basically standing guard, uh, much like Bill would have done for Frank. Well, you see Bill do that for Frank uh in last week's episode. So he's just kind of standing guard. And uh then we hear some of the score that's uh from the game. Uh I guess let's what do, what are your thoughts on this sequence, Veronica? I uh, Do you mention were you going to talk about the coffee next? I was do you want to put that together or do you want to do you want Yeah, do... let's bring the coffee in if that's Okay. Right. Sure, yeah. sure. Um Ellie wakes up to the coffee pot going off. She smells it. She's like, "Oh, what the fuck is that?" Joel's like, "You don't like coffee?" She says, "It smells like bird shit." And um uh, there then they start you can see Ellie and Ellie still in her. Someone mentioned this. Uh, Ellie was in her sleeping bag and she goes over to the coffee and she's still in her sleeping bag. Like she's in her caterpillar phase of growing ah, up or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, Quite literally in the cocoon or something. Yeah. 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 From her being like in the, on episode two, the fetal position, the butterfly, you know, flying around her, flitting around her. Um, so they they start driving off. Ellie's looking at yeah. the Ellie's looking at the map. They start talking about the coffee and all that. Uh, Ellie's asking, you know, where's where where is her Joel's brother? He's in Wyoming. He's near Cody. Uh, he might be near a settlement. And she asks, why isn't he with you? And Joel says, long story. Ellie says, is it longer than twenty five hours? Because we got time. And uh, Joel, the most you kind of hear him talk at one time, he says, Tommy's what they what we they used to call a joiner. He joined the army when he was 18, right out of high school. He wanted to save the world, be a hero. He ended up getting sent to Desert Storm, being in the army. But being in but being in the army didn't make him feel like much of a hero. Twelve years later, the outbreak happened. Uh, He convinced Joel to get with this group that was making their way up to Boston and he did it because it was mostly to keep an eye on Tommy and to keep him alive. It's where they met Tess, their whole crew, uh, for what it was, it worked. And then Tommy met Marlene and he, and Marlene convinced him to join the fireflies. And he said, basically says that's the same, same mistake he made when he was 18 wants to save the world. It's a pipe dream. They're all delusional. Remember this monologue. Remember this scene. When you get to the end of the show, after the finale, when we talk, remember that everybody remember this monologue. And basically he just says, you know, last he heard, he quit the fireflies too. And he's out there on his own and he has to go get them. Um, and Ellie says, if you don't think there's hope for the world, then why bother going on? I mean, you got to try, right? Joe says, you haven't seen the world. So you don't know. You have to keep going for family. That's about it. And Ellie says, I'm not family. No, you're cargo. And I made a promise to Tess, and she was like family. And Ellie asked, what if you don't find them? I will. I'm persistent. And he says, you woke up early. You might want to get some sleep. Cut to and Ellie's like, I don't need any sleep. Cut to Ellie being knocked out. So funny, just like the scene with Sarah in the first episode. Your thoughts on this chunk, Veronica? Yeah, I think that the, I connect that, right, to this last one where... Um... They're falling asleep and they're 
there's like real joy in her um him playing along you know he's outstanding in his field the scarecrow thing Mm -hmm. so you know it's starting to warm up the trust is being built i don't know if it's like trust or familiarity or learning what each other's um quirks are and how their personalities um and then that uh that coffee thing just the way that she reacts and responds to it is Mm -hmm. is pretty funny because i remember when i first started drinking black coffee and I had to force myself to drink it because so I was trying to be a cool kid mm-hmm. and try to be more mature and I wasn't going to put anything in it. It's always going to be black. And it tasted awful. It tasted terrible. <laughs> and yet I I would put like iced coffee when I was especially on a deadline in college with a paper or something. Mm-hmm. Try to drink it really fast, you know, because um, yeah. it tasted really bad. Um, so just their kind of interactions of like... Um, uh, Joel slurping, just that kind of playfulness is like, um, this is kind of key, right? This is yeah. the key development that's happening in this episode. Right. Um, and then that, yeah, you're right. This car conversation is really significant. Um, yeah, I think it, It. I forget if it was in this episode or another place, but this kind of, uh, these conundrums, these kinds of ways of approaching the world and it's like the way that you are before the apocalypse is also the way that you're going to be during or after right mm-hmm. it's this kind of like diagnosis that joel gives of tommy i don't know if it's fair right it's like his perception of tommy yeah um and uh you know it, it tells a lot about joel even more than tommy right um so yeah i think that uh there's the mix there's like okay we'll we'll be playful and kind of jokey with one another and then that'll also help us to plumb the depths of like our own kinds of philosophies on the world you know he sort of has this to me like this hero complex where it's like he's like i gotta save him and i will because i'm right persistence he i don't know what he's doing he needs me we didn't really get this in the game and and sometimes when you're playing a game you can kind of put all of your shit onto the main character with Joel Mm -hmm. as the protagonist. uh, It's, it's sort of like, especially in the video game, it's, it's, uh, he's, I go back to this constantly. He's a cowboy. And when he, when he talks like that, that's really important. When a man of a few words, when he puts together words like that, he's kind of like, that's, that means something. And yeah. I, my dad was kind of like that. I don't want to romanticize him now that he's gone, but like when he would talk about stuff, like he wasn't, my dad wasn't very loquacious, put it that way. He didn't talk, he didn't talk a lot, but he and I would, you know, would have these conversations. But sometimes when he would give his assessment of something, of a person, he would really kind of break that person down. Hmm. Like, well, that guy's kind of like this. Do you want to be like that? Or, you know, something it was kind of I, I liked I liked it, but I I still think mm-hmm. as much as I like that, I think um I think Joel's a little he's slightly misguided. He ain't yeah. wrong. He's not wrong, but he's slightly he's slightly misguided, I would say. Yeah, he he I mean I think that this what happens with that kind of approach 
is that he may not be wrong, but he may not be right. Right. Mm -hmm. Like he's convinced of his rightness. That's Mm -hmm. what that kind of disposition or approach kind of assumes. Right. Like this Mm -hmm. is right. You want to be right or you want to be wrong. (laughs) And it's not there's a lot more gray area than that. It's not quite as black and white. It's definitely gray. And it, it's all this. This is to me, this is like the this is a very important scene. Like the more that I, th- I when I watched it last night, I was like, ooh, I was like, yeah, this is uh, this is important because it it's going to. It's going to tell us a, a lot about why he does what he does if they don't diverge from the video game in this regard, you know, right. uh, so and then why I, why I have such strong feelings about what he ends up that I, what he's, what I feel like he's going to do in this show. Um, okay. So they get to, they get to a point where they're blocked, they're driving on and they get to a point where they're blocked in, uh, the, uh, uh by this, uh, it's like this overpass, uh, tunnel entrance, by this uh Sara Lee bread truck, this big 18-wheeler, and there's a bunch of cars on the road that's blocking the overpass slash tunnel. Joel gets out of the truck to inspect that. He sees it. And the signs on the overpass show um 35 South going into Wichita, 35 North going to Des Moines. Ellie asks where they are. They're in Kansas City, Missouri. Joel says, screw it. They drive around the tunnel area through the through downtown downtown kansas city to get to the highway and they pass while they're doing that they're in downtown they pass a movie theater that's playing underworld and matchstick men one's a sony property one's a a a, a Mm -hmm. warner brothers property that would have been playing in september of 2003 i own matchstick men on uh dvd actually um uh it's nicholas like Cage, Cage no. yeah and sam rockwell um do i have it in right here allison lowman uh this is lowman this is directed by ridley scott mm-hmm. um yeah i don't see it on my Black show. comedy <laughs> film is what wikipedia says yeah it's good do you have you seen it i don't think i did oh I yeah it was this one. good that was around the time when I lived in Chicago and I had the hookup on this at this video store. That really tells you how old I. Well, I was twenty three back then. I was in heaven. Mm-hmm. Love that. Love that store. L.A. Tan and Video. All right. Um, I did not go there for the tans. Okay, so Ellie's kind of like turned around by the map. She's having trouble with it. Joel tells her, "Don't look at the state map. Look at the inset, which gives you the." the city limits and the boundaries and everything in the city. Uh, Ellie says it's her, it's her second day in the car in in a car. She thinks they're heading North. Ellie tells them to stop and they see, they look and they say, is that the QZ? And they're like, where's Fedra? And then they hear a guy yell, Hey, please help. Joel tells Ellie to put her seatbelt on. Ellie asks, are we going to help him? Joel says, no, he accelerates uh, to run over the guy. <laughs> A guy, someone from above on a fire escape throws a cinder block, smashing the truck's windshield. Other people start shooting at the truck. They crash into a storefront. Ellie tells her, oh, oh, Joel tells Ellie. So they're shooting. There's there's, basically a standoff. They're shooting. 
Joe tells Ellie to squeeze through the little hole in the wall and go to the other side until he tells her to come out. He says, they're not going to hit you. Stay low, stay quiet. Ellie does it. She crawls. Joe loads up his rifle, starts returning fire on his first shot. He claps one guy on the first shot, kills him, kills another one. Uh, so that's two guys he's killed. Another another guy busts through the door and uh, fights with Joel and starts choking Joel out with his gun. You can see Ellie on the other side, the cut to Ellie on the other side. She draws her switch switchblade, crawls back on the other side to help Joel. Uh, she creeps up on old boy and then she thinks she's going to stab him, but she shoots him. It doesn't kill him. So the guy is like messed up. He's begging for his life. His name's Brian. He says his mother's close by. They can trade, but it's too late for that, Brian. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ellie can't finish the job. So Joel takes the gun away from her and tells her to go back behind the wall she does. And then, oh, oh, before the guy, Brian's like, oh, you can use you can you can take this knife. We can trade. He has this big ass like blade. Um, so once Ellie leaves, Joel stabs him in the chest. Uh, and so, OK, so, yeah, I will. We'll keep going. Joel, Joel has to get in in, in on the other side, but he can't crawl through the wall. Uh, so there's Ellie says there's some stuff against the door. So Ellie moves it. Joel's come. Joel comes in just like the game. They do that sometimes. Like if there's a space that Joel can't get into, Ellie will crawl. He'll either like uh, push Ellie and like, what do you call it? Like prop somebody up. You give him a boost to go on the other side mm -hmm. of a, a room. She'll rummage around, pull out, you know, something so he can get in just like the game fan, great fan service. Then they block the door back and make their way back outside. And then there's people calling out for Brian. They're like, body, body, this is Brian. Brian, they got Brian. They do that in The Last of Us Part Two. I think in the re remake, they do that too. Like, they got Bill, they got Billy, you know, whatever. Um, just to make it like more real. So what are what mm -hmm. are your thoughts on on this? And what do you think the ethnicity of Brian is? <laughs> How do you know? That's exactly what I was going to bring up, Chris. <laughs> Brian is played by an actor named Juan Magana. Okay. Um, now we know who. Okay. He's from, uh, I think, Indio, California, the actor. Um, so, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's another Chicano, mm -hmm. <laughs> or at least Latino mm -hmm. from uh, California. Um, at least he booked that. I don't know if he lives in Calgary and booked that or if he booked that oh, yeah, from L.A. I think yeah. my manager did because I got on him. I was like, we got to try to get me an at least an audition for season two. And he said the casting yeah. director does cast out of L.A. So we'll see. You just got to come over here, Chris. Um, yeah, maybe. So, you know. I don't know. It's uh, this is an important scene. Um, yeah. And there's going to be an, another scene that will come up where, you know, Ellie and Joel process this a little bit in their own way. Right. But uh, this is a pivotal scene where, um, you know, Joel is trying to rely on Ellie in the car. I was surprised that they lost the car so quickly. I imagine there was more gameplay times or hours with that truck. No, than we get. Oh, really? Okay. No, this so had, like this is a this quickly. is a sequence pulled from the game. This yeah. the the part with Brian doesn't happen. Right. It happens like there's supposed to be a hotel in Pittsburgh. 
I don't know what, how we want to get on that just yet, but like, yeah, Ellie pulling out a the gun. Ellie in the game, Ellie doesn't have a gun until Joel is in a fight similar to the one he's in with Brian, and the the guy loses his gun and he's about to get drowned in a in a puddle of water. And then Ellie picks up the gun and kills the guy. And that's the moment where it's like, oh, shit. Ellie actually goes through with killing the guy. And this one, uh, she doesn't because she can't. And so that's like that parallel from the beginning of, of the episode to where like, yeah, she thinks she's a badass. But when it's time to really do the job, she can't do it. She's like impotent. Yeah. At the same time, she effectively disarms this threat. On oh, Joel. she does. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I think that there's this, if you also compare it with how she wasn't able to, and she just didn't have the skills to be able to read a map and navigate. Right. Um, and Joel was relying on her in a way that was like above her abilities mm-hmm. uh, in the car. And then he underestimates, you know, what she can do uh, violent wise, yeah. like within, you know, being able to defend him. And so, you know, it's a complicated one and uh, the kind of moment, I think it makes a lot of dramatic sense for her not to kill him Mm -hmm. and for her to just, I mean, she does injure him. It's not just like a, a shot in an arm or something that he doesn't continue the attack. It effectively stops the attack. Right. He can't walk anymore. She paralyzes him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So she, and if, if she hadn't, if she had just, um, hit him in a way that was incapacitated that didn't incapacitate him he could have run off and gone back to the crowd and that would have been bad news for them right um so you know she's it's it's tricky and then but she doesn't kill him all the way and there's the kind of um immerse emotional processing of like what does it mean that she doesn't and Mm -hmm. she sympathizes with him and obviously he's like a sympathetic villain which is like what they always are doing in this right in the show it seems like it's important that they uh provide an empathetic um portrait of the other side of the villain right um which may be like yeah this question that's going to come up throughout the show are the are heroes even heroes or are they villains who's a hero who's a villain kind of thing um so you know i think having brian cry out for his mother i mean god i don't know it's it's tough right yeah not tough for me to process that because our heroes are joel and ellie but i i definitely what you just said is what naughty dog wanted to do with part two that was a thing because previously you had the uncharted series where nathan drake was just mowing down all these brown people in these foreign countries with a machine gun or whatever type of weapon he could get a hold to. And it's just this senseless violence that we're accustomed to in the video game world. But to make it more grounded, you have these, these people have a name and it's not just like you shooting somebody, you shot, you killed Brian, you killed these other two guys. And it's like, what kind of reaction that you're going to get? Like somebody's going to be like, Brian, and they're coming after you even harder, you know? Right. So it's definitely, it definitely makes adds to the intensity of these moments. And we'll, we'll come back to this in a bit. Um, so we cut to a woman uh, who 
we eventually find is Kathleen, who's played by Melanie Linsky, the great Melanie Linsky, interrogating someone in a cell uh, named Edelstein. And he, we find out that he was alone when he was captured. And she's trying to find the whereabouts of these people, the Burquist, Mark Anthony Halpin, Carrie Schreiber, the Chans, Henry Burrell. And she, it's like a list of these people, uh, I guess who would be, who she would deem to be as insurgents. Um, she says to him, you know where Henry is. And then she reads a sign that's in the cell. It's a Fedra sign that reads your rights while in detention, you are entitled to lawyer, medical attention, family visit, food and clothing. And she looks around and she says, I wonder if this is the cell where her brother, my brother was beaten. Edelstein says, you you were wrong. And I'm sorry, but this has gone too far and has to stop. Kathleen says, oh, it has to stop now. You mean now that you're in this now that you're in the cell, but people, but people, but before people dying was okay. When you were safe and protected the rat, the what ratting on you, protect, uh, when you were safe and protected and ratting on your neighbors to Fedra. And then, uh, she puts a gun to his head. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah, she puts a gun to his... Wait a minute. Oh, oh, Edelstein says they put a gun to my head. It was like 12 at midnight when I was writing these notes. Kathleen, <laughs> and then and then Kathleen says, Kathleen puts a gun to his head and she says, there, have I satisfied the necessary conditions for you to talk? And the doc, Edelstein's like, for God's sake. He says, I delivered, I, he says, I delivered you and held you in my own hands. And he said, I never told them anything about your brother. Uh, Kathleen says, but Henry did. And we know that he's still in the city. And she thinks that he knows that too. And uh, she holds a gun to him. She says, you don't think I won't do it? Uh, you think I won't do it? Edelstein says, I'm your doctor. So we find out he's a doctor. And they're interrupted by a horn going off. And Kathleen comes outside. Um, her men bring her Brian's body and the other two people that Joel shot. You can see Brian was stabbed in the chest. Um, and uh, she asks, who did this? Then we meet this guy named Perry, played by Jeffrey Pierce, who is the original Tommy from the video game. He he voiced and mocap Tommy for both games. And he says there's some outsiders that aren't Fedra, but they're heavily supplied. They could be mercs. Uh, if and then Kathleen says, if Henry had a radio, has a radio, maybe he found someone out there. Maybe he called them in. Will and she asks, she asks, will he live? Talking about Brian, and he, and they're like, I don't know. She says, what if I have a doctor? And then one of the guys says, there's no chance. So Kathleen goes back into the cell and shoots Doctor Edelstein, and she comes back out and she says, this is Henry's work. And he won't stop until we he won't stop until we stop him. Find who did this. Find every collaborator and kill them all. Your thoughts on on Kathleen Veronica. Yeah, further, like just the connection of like mm, Brian being uh made an empathetic character. They do show his father kind of like mourning him. The mm. bodies are brought out there. So it's again, like, you know, it's not just henchmen that are just disappear from a video game once they yeah. get killed. So similarly, like, I think that it, now that we're thinking about it or looking at it, it seems kind of obvious that Kathleen is making quick, quick uh, ways to make this coherent for yeah. the followers 
to strategically work toward her aims, right? Mm -hmm. So she brings up Henry. It's obvious that she's got uh, a vendetta that she wants to fulfill against this character. And she's going to use this opportunity. This tragedy as an opportunity to uh, rally the people um, to uh, do what she wants them to do and to to be behind her. Uh, she's a fascinating character. The the even the quick thing about like this is the do- the obstetrician, the doctor that delivers her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't have to see the journey of her getting to this point. It's just like really shorthand for like developing her out as sort of this person who's had a huge transformation into this ruthless person um, that we kind of don't get a, a peek to, but we already kind of like understand by the way that she's commanding authority and barking orders and, you know, able to command um, this group. Right. And since you mentioned this, I'm going to read this uh, entertainment weekly, uh, uh, an excerpt from this entertainment weekly article about uh, Melanie Linsky uh, I'll read you this, read this. When Mason approached Linsky to play Kathleen on The Last of Us, a character created specifically for the show with roots in the 2013 video game, she was eager to take on the role. Linsky describes Kathleen as a reluctant war criminal. She's the sister of the former leader of a resistance movement in Kansas City, but it was only after her brother's death that she took over and toppled the military presence in the area. Imagine growing up as the sibling of Jesus and being like, my brother's the greatest human being. He's leading the world. He's the kindest, most decent person. I don't think that I'm I don't think that I'm that great of a person. I don't really need to be anything in particular because I have this person by my side, Linsky explains. And then somebody brutally kills him. And it's so unfair. Who are you after that? Yeah, Yeah. it's great. Because the the show is all about these pairings and these Mm -hmm. kinds of, um, you know, gosh, um, these parallels or these kinds of, uh, what is the literary term? Uh, Foils, these foils, Mm -hmm. um, these pairs that are kind of like comparing. And so to, I was thinking, oh, it's Kathleen and Perry, but no, it's Kathleen and her brother. Mm. That's the pair. And you've got the absent figure in that. So, you know, she's always acting in relation to, her relationship with her her brother, you know, so her her um to her sibling, to her family. Um and in some ways that was Joel kind of acting in relation to Sarah. Um but now, you know, this kind of yeah, who are you after those kinds of tragedies is a really interesting yeah premise. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it's like you don't really need to know that, but it's like dope that you do know it. Where it's like, that's like that. When I was thinking about um, Todd Field and Kate uh, Blanchett talking about Tar, where it's like they put all, they put in all this work to prepare for the movie, for the film and everything. But it's like, you don't have to know about it, but we did the work. So mm-hmm. when you get what, I know people don't really give a shit about Tar, it's artsy fartsy, but I think it was one of the best things. Who I doesn't, saw it. who doesn't care about tar? Who? People in general, like it, it's just, it was boring. <laughs> Most of my no. friends said it was boring. No, no, but it's like you put in all, you put in all this work, you do the homework because it's the right thing to do for the role. And it's like, oh shit, we didn't have to know about that, that, that was your brother. I'm sure we'll probably find out the next episode, maybe, but it's like some of these things you'll never know. 
And it's just like, fuck. So that's all the motivation you need. My brother's dead. And now I got to be, I could hide in his shadow. Now I have to stand to the forefront and I'm killing every motherfucker in the way. I thought, I think, I I tweeted this, folks. I think Karen is, I called her Karen. I think Kathleen is a post-apocalyptic Karen going after these black boys that will we'll find that they're black. Right. And everything is their fault, right? Like, Everything's I mean, their fault. And it's like, it's almost like when you, when we finally see Henry and Sam, it's just like, these are, these are kids. Like yeah. in the game, ah, fuck it. We'll, we'll, we're spoiling everything, but we'll get to that in a bit. Just remind me. Uh, it remind me when we get there. Um, yeah. So, then we cut to so once she says that like let's get everybody kind of reminds me of Tommy Lee Jones in the Fugitive a little bit too like we're gonna get we're gonna get him it's not as dramatic and not as like poetic as Tommy Lee Jones but it's just like then you cut to the military that military truck raiding their abandoned buildings all her true all her men all her soldiers raiding the town and then you cut to uh, Joel and Ellie in an abandoned bar and. Um, Ellie says, if they're not federal or fireflies, then who are they? And Joel's like, people. Message. Are we going to be okay in here? For Joel says, for a little bit, maybe. It looks like, excuse me, they're checking out apartment buildings first, but then they'll be coming through these places soon enough. Ellie says, there's a really tall building like four blocks away. And Joel says, as soon as they don't hear a truck, they move as fast as they can towards it. And, uh, and, uh, she asks, Ellie asks if Joel's okay. He says, I'm all right. Uh, are you all right? And then he tells her, he says, he tells her he didn't hear that guy coming. She shouldn't have to, she shouldn't have had to shoot him. And Ellie says, but you're glad I did, right? Joel says, you're just a kid. You shouldn't know what it means to, he kind of trails off. And uh, he says, it's not like you killed him, but you shouldn't. And he says, I know what it's like. First time he hurt someone like that. And then he says, I'm not really good at this. And Ellie says, you're not. And Joel tells her he's sorry. And Ellie like tears up. She starts to cry. This, uh, so uh, this isn't in the game. So I just, I wrote that in all caps with a bunch of exclamation points. She says, Ellie says, it wasn't my first time. Then Joel gets up. He teaches her how to hold a gun. He said, who, she holds a gun. He says, who taught you? She says, Fedra school. He said, figures. And she starts to, so he shows her how to hold the gun and everything. And then it, I think it's a really sweet moment. Uh, bonding over firearms. Uh, and she said, and so she starts to put it in his pocket. And Joe says, no, put it in your pack. You'll shoot your damn ass off. And as they get ready to leave, Joe says, we'll get through this. And Ellie says, I know. I thought, so this kind of goes back to what we were talking about a little earlier about trying to process what, what happened with Brian, like, and it reminds me of this, uh, and then I'll give it to you, the very, like this Holden Caulfield catcher in the rye thing where it's like, you're a kid, like, you know, because of what happened to him. Yes, he's guarding himself and and he the walls are starting to come down and we see that but it's like 
he still he doesn't want to see anything happen to Ellie, you know, because he knows what happened to his kid. And it, and he just thinks kids that shouldn't have to experience that stuff. And you can see more when he, you know, dumps the body of that uh, kid at the beginning of uh, the series. You know, when we, when we meet him 20 years after the apocalypse, your thoughts on this, Veronica. Yeah. Um, it's an important scene for them. Um, and it's not, and it ends with a joke or not with a joke, but like with like a really sincere smile and like happiness from Ellie, which is scary. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, but it's, I kind of want to push back on that. Like, she could be kind of menacing when she does like when she was with that gun and stuff like in that little scene but it's almost like she's like i kind of won him over like this guy likes me i think it's a little bit of it's a little bit of the them connecting and it's a little bit of like this guy trusts me too and i got a gun you know what i mean and it's cool that i got this gun but I just don't I just kind of want to push back on her being a savage because she's not there yet. No, 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 no. It's it's I'm not saying that she is. I'm saying the circumstances that the, the, you know, all the stuff with the kid with her as a kid uh-huh. having to like, you know. Oh, you're saying his circumstances the, are scary, not just like yeah, she's scary. Yeah, it would be the okay. same thing, like, you know, learning how to kick a soccer ball effectively. It's the same kind of thing, right? Like, oh, I have this power now. I know how to do this skill mm. with my body. Okay. Um, and it's this, that like the learning to ride a bike, you know, being able to actually be able to ride the bike uh, without being held or something, yeah. right? Without training wheels um, or, you know, being pushed on a bike with, you know, like it's the, it's like a him teaching her how to ride a bike right. kind of like fatherly. Yeah. The parental thing in absence of her having any kind of parental pre- presence in her life. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, I'm not saying that it's like, yeah, it, I think it is a bit of like Sarah is dead. Sarah would have been dead in this mm-hmm. kind of like world because, and this is what they talk about. Um, the showrunners, what Mason and uh, Druckmann are thinking about like, um, the kind of way that she is suited and kind of like uh, is enjoying or it wants to learn these things. But in a way, also the apocalyptic world, this is like something that comes up a lot in The Walking Dead, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, a child, um, you know, coming up in the post-apocalyptic world. What is that? What kinds of experiences? How is that skewed? Um, but it's also an interesting scene. I was going to, it ends there, but uh, Joel like basically apologizes yeah kind of like apologizes which is a big deal like that's not something that every kind of um adult will do with a child uh he feels regret regretful and remorseful that this child had to go through this um and he's like vulnerable enough to like you know um i mean it also plays into his complex of like the protector and he should be able to have to take on all this burden of protecting them and she shouldn't have to do any of it or he should only be protecting her. Um, wow. He didn't. Yeah. I didn't hear that guy coming. That's my fault. That's my bad. Why? Why didn't I hear him coming? So I don't know. It's like an interesting parental uh, scene. 
yeah in like the high parts of like teaching your kid how to ride a bike by like teaching them how to hold a gun properly but then also apologizing um for something that you felt they shouldn't have had to do or that you messed up as a parent that is deep because you us talking about this you know made me think a lot about my dad and i don't know i guess i see a lot of, i don't know i was thinking about this like this just now like my dad would do that like i, I i'm i'm in therapy and i was <laughs> talking good, about i was talking about uh my dad how he would admit when he was wrong we could have an argument or about something and he'd say or or just have some kind of disagreement he said, you know I, I probably shouldn't have done that i'm i'm sorry because if you're a parent and you're the authority you don't have to apologize like right. you don't have to admit that you're wrong when you have a child like you know and that 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 was to me like that's a that's a great quality and for Joel to when you have a and it also makes me think of this one of my favorite lines hip hop lines common has this song called the sixth sense from this album called like water for chocolate and it would have been out uh, during this world of the last of us because it came out in, in, <laughs> in the year two, in the year 2000 but he had this line he said i'm a i'm a complex man drawn off of simplicity i believe that's in on that record and it's just like Joel is a complex guy, but he's very he's a simple man. You know what I mean? And the way that he broke that down is like the kid shouldn't have to do that. It's like, man, I, I didn't I didn't hear that guy. I, I, I didn't hear him. And um, in the game, you're in this moment happens. So you like I was explaining in, in the hotel when the guy's about to drown, Joel, Ellie picks up the gun and kills the guy. Once you get out of that sequence. Joel is like, you You did save me. And here's a rifle. I need you to watch my back. So he gives Ellie a rifle and she's like picking off these guys as they try to get at Joel so that they can progress. So that's mm -hmm. like, that's the moment in the game where he trusts her. He takes the rifle back and then he, he gives the, uh, he gives her, he gives her a gun then. Um, and that's the moment where things change. And this is where this is where that relationship deepens. This is that that shift to where all we got is us. You're not just cargo now. And that change that change happened in less than in in, in less than a day. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really it's a really powerful scene. It's really, it's really good the more I think about it. And it also gives me fond moments of of uh the late great Aubrey Lambert. All right. Okay, so we'll we go to we cut to Kathleen and she Perry comes up and she's she asks him any sign of anything. Perry says, Yep, and he they found something. And uh um Perry leads her into a building with an attic. Uh there's they it's a they climb up the attic uh and uh there's drawings on the wall. Uh, like it looks like kids drawings there's uh, uh empty cans on the floor and it looks like they're probably out of food so that's why they left and then uh Kathleen says Her Henry wouldn't let Sam starve so she says double the guards around the provisions they're close she can feel it 
And then Perry says one more thing. He takes her down into a basement area with this like cracked, damaged floor. It looks like a a crater with something burrow, burrowing under the ground. It's a bloater, folks. You're going to meet it on Friday. Um, and Kathleen's like, fuck. And the, the floor begins to rumble. Perry asks, what do we tell the others? Uh, Kathleen says, nothing. Let's just handle what we have to handle and deal with it after. And seal off the building for now. Perry says, yeah. Uh, so what do you think about this sequence? Yeah, I mean, it, it's the heartlessness of, I mean, it's it's shows that Kathleen still has some kind of, the same kind of scene with Edelstein that like, you know, she, she sees the drawings. She's not completely untouched or unmoved by them, but um, she's still going to go try to, you know, she's still going to try to choose to pursue Henry over taking care of this more urgent problem potentially mm -hmm. which you could use as a distraction from like the riling the crowd up of pursuing Henry mm -hmm. um to deal with this uh you know uh cordyceps thing that's happening situation that's happening under underground so she chooses the attic instead of the basement um yeah. which is you know there's a choice that she's making here. Um, and it's, it's a really quick scene, but it, it deepens that kind of characterization of her having um, a real uh, anger for Henry. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's going to bite her in the ass. Cause we're going to meet that bloater and the other infected uh, next in, a, in four days uh, as of this recording. Um, so then we cut to Joel boosting Ellie into a building, just like the game. Uh, she goes, she goes through the opening and then opens the rummages around a bit, opens the door, and Ellie opens it. She says, "What would you do without me?" Joel says, "By now, Wyoming." <laughs> Ellie says, "Oh yeah, walked into that one, and they're in there." Uh, Joel says they're gonna work their way up in the building um, and take a look at the city and find their way out. There's about forty-five floors. Um, and they climb up several flights of stairs. Ellie asks, you know, that guy who said he was hurt. How did you know it was? How did you know it was an ambush? Joel says, I've been on both sides. It was a long time ago. We did what we needed to survive. She says, you and Tess and the people we were with my brother too. And she asks, did you kill innocent people? Joel says, come on. So they make it up to the 33rd floor. Joel is tired and sits down to take a break. Ellie says, get up, you lazy ass. And she helps him up. Joel says, lazy ass? I'm 56 years old, you little shit. Nice funny moment. Um, they break into this office. And uh, you want me to just continue till we're done? Sure, I was just going to say the knees are the first to go, I think, Chris. That's the yeah. thing. The knees are the first to go. And didn't but Tess yeah. mention that in episode two? Like something <laughs> Is that like what she knees. said? Yeah, yeah. She said something like, you know, I'm... Ellie said, it's not that bad. She said, I'm... She said, yo, my knees, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, trying to help your ass. Um, and then so... Um, so they make it... Da -da 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 -da. They break into an office. Joel lays out some glass shards around the room in case someone comes into the room while they're asleep. And um, Joel, they're laying down. And then now we get Joel asking questions at night. When we were talking about hurting people, what do you mean it wasn't your first time? Ellie says, I don't want to talk about it. 
He says, you don't have to. I'm just saying it isn't fair. You're fair for your age having to deal with all of this, holding Caulfield. So it gets easier when you're older. So it gets easier when you're older. Not really, but still. The reason I asked whether you'd hear the Ellie says the reason I asked whether you'd hear the glass is because I noticed you don't hear well on your right side. Is it because you were shot there? Uh, Joe says probably from shooting. So if you want to keep your hearing, stick to that knife. He still doesn't want her to shoot even though, even though she's got the gun. Then is a little quiet. Then <laughs> Joel, she asked Joel, she says, Joel, did you know diarrhea is hereditary? And Joel says, what? And Ellie says, it runs in your genes. And Joel says, Jesus. And then he's like, oh, Jesus. And she said, you laugh, motherfucker. Joel laughs and says, Jesus, I'm losing it. Great. My favorite moment of the show so far. Just like she breaks him in a good way where it's like yeah. they they're connecting. And the way that she says, you laugh, motherfucker. She's like, I got you. I love that. Um, so she's, and he says, go to sleep. Ellie says, you go to sleep. And I one of my other favorite things, my favorite things about this show is the editing, the way that they just jump to the scene. I don't know if I've, I don't want to Dan Lebatard this, but I, I don't know if I've ever seen editing like this, where it's just like, it's so quick. I'm just like, mm -hmm. wow, I love how they do that. So then they cut to them being held at gunpoint by who we will later find is Henry and Sam. Uh, Henry's pointing a gun at Ellie. Ellie tells Joe to wake up. Joe wakes up and he wakes up to Sam pointing a gun at him and telling him to be quiet and blackout. Then we hear, um, uh, I don't know if you call a closing song a needle drop, but you hear uh, a True Faith cover by Lottie Kessner. It was originally done by New Order in 1987, which means trouble since it's in the 80s. Mm. Um, and I'll read you a little blurb. So, oh, okay. So like the the original version is like, is a dance jam. It's like a, it's a fun song, but it, this is what the uh, songwriter Bernard Sumner said in an interview with Q magazine in 1999 true faith is about drug dependency. I don't touch, I don't touch smack, but when I wrote that song, I tried to imagine what it's like to be a smack head and nothing else matters to you except that day's hit. Um, and that's the end yeah. of the episode. Um, originally. So we're going to meet Henry and Sam, uh, on Friday originally you're going through Pittsburgh in the game and you try to, you're trying to, you're, you're trying to escape just these random people, these hunters in Pittsburgh who are shooting at you because you're intruders and you're trying to escape them from most of that part. Your first quarter, the first quarter of the, of the sequence in Pittsburgh and they're shooting at you. Well, there's like a, there's kind of like a tank. It's not really a tank, but uh, it's a, like a gun, a machine gun on top of, I don't know. They're shooting at you. You make a way into a building and then you get like knocked in the head by Henry and you fight with Henry until you see Sam's holding a gun at Joel. And then Hen they notice that, uh, oh, you got it. Henry notices that, oh, you got a kid with you too. You're not, you're not that bad. And then Hen you find that Henry and Sam 
were originally from the Hartford QZ and they left to go to Pittsburgh when they're uh, the military abandoned their QZ. And then that, and then you have a, a journey with them. Um, how'd you feel about this, this uh, last sequence? Yeah. I mean, it just um, reiterates this kind of uh, thing that we've been talking around this whole time around children and growing up in this kind of um, environment. Uh, we connect when we first see Sam, you see that he's drawn paint around his eyes to look like he has a mask, like a superhero, like the drawings that yeah. Kathleen comes across uh, in the attic that Perry points her to. So, you know, he's, and he looks very young, right? Yeah. He looks like a, a very young kid. Henry also looks young, but it's on, you know, we don't get much um, of a peek at Henry at this point yet until we just see that he's holding Ellie, uh, you know, has it gone over Ellie. But um, do you feel like you got to work on your your delivery of the puns a little bit, Chris? You know, like I feel oh, like you, I'm not sure how much you like them or respect the puns, uh, but it's all in the delivery. You know, like the very... I'm just being like uh uh I'm just reading it. I'm I'm sorry. I, as a comedian, I should be a lot better with that. You should but... put some respect on Will Livingston's name, you know. Yeah. <laughs> gotta be like Livingston. yes. <laughs> got um got a very serious uh you know question. Or did you know that diarrhea is hereditary? You know, you got, you, you, I mean, that's the way that Ellie does it is the kind of, that's the kind of bait and switch that she does. That's like pretty well done by Bella Ramsey. I yeah. assume similarly by Ashley Johnson in the game. Um, but, you know, I think that that was a very relatable kind of like, oh, we're going to have a sleepover, a sleepover with Joel and Ellie in the office. Oh. <laughs> and I got to wake up. I got to pull this uh, picture. It's a, it's a, it's not in any of the games, but there's like a, a 3D model that's with the game where it's like Joel and Ellie at a campfire just laughing. Mm -hmm. And that's what that made me think of. It made me think of that picture that's not in any of the games, but it is like a I'll find it and show it to you. But it's just like this really beautiful moment I, mean, I think that, i did see it when i was looking at things for this episode for yeah. some reason i saw it somewhere else too but yeah it's like got this kind of truth or dare kind of vibe to it you know mm -hmm. even if it's not the actual campfire it does have mm -hmm. that that vibe that you're describing yeah and then for that like boom to that kind of sense of play and you know um you know play and go hide and go seek and kind of like pretend play pretend kind of thing then all of a sudden you have sam with a similar kind of um pretend play with like let's play like superheroes and hide out yeah and, but but there's a really a real gun that's being pointed um, i don't know two two things i want to ask you is it a reach that them being in an attic is evocative of anne frank both the creators are Jewish. That's what somebody yeah. on YouTube said. And I was like, I I was like, I guess. Okay. What do you think? Sure. I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's you know hiding out and all that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But we don't get that kind of um 
I don't know. It's not the story. It's not this story. That would be an interesting right. story if it was yeah. Henry and Sam's story. This right. isn't Henry and Sam's story. It's Joel and Ellie's story. Um, but yeah, I do think that I don't if the attic was missing in the game. And this is something that they've yeah. is it in the game? No, no. They yeah. they yeah, they just take Joel and Ellie to their hideout, but it's not really it's just like an abandoned office building. I mean, I don't think you have to go to Anne Frank and it's just like imprisonment. There's like other stories of people being imprisoned in like, you know, addicts and addicts are kind of like this thing of like hiding in plain sight or hiding in these kinds of spaces that allow for the imprisoned to like be able to view things and see how things are uh, going on in the world, even if they are having to hide who they are and in private. Yeah. and yeah, there is this way that they're being vilified, you know, in the in the in the uh, ways that um, Kathleen's group is drumming up support against them. If they right. actually saw this child with a you know superhero mask drawn on his face, like would they still see Henry and Sam in the same way? I think. Well, see, this is when we talk about race and stuff. I was thinking because I did I did tweet that she I got a couple of likes, but I think maybe it might be too blunt for a a mainstream audience or the joke just well, the tweet just wasn't funny. But like when I called her a post-apocalyptic Karen and you think of the way that she talks about Henry and then you see him only if only for a quick moment. He's a kid, too. Yeah. And in the game he is he's a a young man like he you could tell he's like maybe in his 20s i had the uh pleasure of working with that gentleman in mm. a on a like a a comic for a friend like a like doing some voice acting let me get his name i want brandon scott voiced uh henry in the video game and naji jeter vo- voiced sam Najee Jeter played Miles Morales in the Spider-Man game for PS4 slash five. But anyway, hmm. he's more of a like uh, a man, like the character model for Henry in the in the game is like like a young man, like maybe early 20s or so. And to look at this kid that plays Henry and on the TV show, Lamar Johnson. He looks really young. You know what I mean? And very slight. And it's just like, and if I put on my like Dr. Umar Kufi, well, this kid's 28. He's 28 years old. So he just looks super young. Yeah, I don't think he really, I mean, he's born in 94. Yeah. And um, yeah. Bill Ramsey's 2003. Yeah. Um, so super young. He, I think he, that, you know, it's, it's the same kind of dynamic that's being, uh, you know, um, between Joel and Ellie and uh, Henry and Sam, yes. but oh, even more kind of amplified because Sam is so young. Um, but, you know, the same kind of, it's just like a cartoon version yeah. of it. You know, it just looks young. Like it just, like I'm thinking like, I'm thinking Kathleen's talking about them. Like they're talking about Henry, like he's a super predator. Right. But he's just like this right. young, young kid. And that's me being, I'm reaching a lot, I think, but just, when you think of the race, because we look at these things through a racial lens, it's like, there's a fucking kid. Yeah. (laughs) That's how he, like that dude, Johnson plays like a young kid. 
You know what I mean? Like, that's how he looks on screen. Just like Bella Ramsey, who's grown, looks like a kid. And it's just like, it's, it does something to me. And now Sam is young as hell. Well, he's literally a kid. You know, he's literally a kid. Yeah. I mean, he's nine, right? Right. In the Last of Us game, Sam is 13, it says. And, uh, wait. Yeah. Uh, and Woodward, the kid who plays Sam Cavion, is nine. Yeah. Um, and this, this so- kid, this kid is actually from my hometown area. Oh, awesome. He's, and he's, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to jump ahead and try to spoil anything, but like, yeah, he's, I'll, I'll talk about, I, I'll talk about it next week. But, but I yeah. think that's what's obvious from this episode is that um, we're picking up that uh, Sam is being protected by um, Henry. Henry's protect the protector of Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, Kathleen knows that uh, that's like um, leverage for them, that he's right. vulnerable, that Henry is vulnerable through this child, through Sam. Um I mean, I think that's obvious with like the drawings, the superhero drawings and the way that she talks about how Henry wouldn't let Sam starve. Um, So, you know, I think that she sees that as leverage and I think there's more going on. Like it's a little bit more complicated than like, you know, uh, Henry is a kid. Uh, He's literally protecting a child. And um, you can see that there is the child within in the same kinds of ways that we see the relation between Joe, Joel and Ellie, you know, Joel is like this grizzled 56 year old white Texan, you know, in the game and Uh potentially here too, Uh, you know, uh, a Texan that likes Hank Williams, whatever. And he's like uh, bonding and protecting a, a, you know, a child, a teenager, a teenager, but a teenage child. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm excited about, did you look at the new, like the trailer for the next episode? You know, I didn't, because it wasn't, oh. it didn't play automatically, right? After the episode. I watched I look at inside it. I didn't, the episode. I didn't stream but... on HBO Max until I watched it the second time. I just watched through my DVR. Mm-hmm. I think because it's a little easier to rewind and stuff, but, uh, it did play right after the the episode. After so what the do we got? What's what's sort of revealed as? Is it deepening in the Kansas City, gonna, Kathleen and yeah, Henry I think Sam. we're gonna get more Kathleen Sam Henry backstory. I think it's gonna be a a flashback, and I think we're okay. gonna get up to where we are. Henry and Sam are supposedly in three episodes, so oh. I, I'm because you're with in the game. You're with them for a, a stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're gonna see that bloater, and I think the bloater is gonna be a a diversion for them. This is what I think. I don't know that this is gonna happen, but I think that bloater and those other infected are gonna be a diversion for Joel, Sam, and Joel, Ellie, Sam, and Henry to get away. I see. I think that's gonna be the end of that QZ. Yeah, that area. Um. That's what she should have been worried about. Yeah. You know? Anyway. Yeah. This and we get an early episode this week. Yeah, I'm excited of, about um, that. Yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah. So this Friday, like you mentioned already. Yeah, because they don't want to compete with the Super Bowl, but yeah, and it's good that they did this because this is an all black Super Bowl, and my 
eyes will be glued to the TV. Yeah. Um, no matter how much they try to make it the Kelsey Brothers Bowl or the Andy Reid Bowl, it's fucking two black quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes going at it. And in Black History Month, man. In Black That's History so Month, this is probably one. one of the greatest Black History Months of all time. <laughs> there we go. I'm trying to pull up some of my chat some pun jokes. None of oh, them you want to do some more puns before we wrap it up? No, I don't, actually. Well, why did the math book look so sad? I don't know why. Because it had too many problems. Oh, man. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. These are all really terrible. Uh, I, I thought the mycelium one was good, but then I had to explain what a mycelium is. A joke's probably not good if you have to explain you have the to terms explain of the it. joke, right? Yeah. It's from the joke writing advice that you might give me. Yeah. I was doing a show on Friday night. And I think I talked about this on the Patreon, but I I was doing a show Friday night. It was a late show and it was like the it was already a late show. And then after that show, there was an open mic and it was I didn't realize in, until I was on stage that there was open. There was an open mic, open micers getting ready to go on. And I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, I see you guys don't care about me. You just want to you think you're going to get some TikTok clips for your set. Right. Uh, right. You don't care. You know, you don't want to listen. When I was a open micer, you listened to the people set. And I was like, oh, this is first team defense. And I had to do my jokes in front of people who are now famous, like Mark Normand, um, Sam Marill, mm -hmm. and some other some other really funny people in New York. And that was first team defense. So if you if those of you who listen to this that know who Mark Normand is, if Comics don't really laugh. They'll say that's funny. But if you heard Mark Normand in the background say, <laughs> that means your joke was pretty, you had something, you might have something. So that's good. good. Yeah. So, All right. Oh, we did it. We did, we did it. it. Episode four of the show, episode five of this uh, wonderful endeavor. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, once again, thank you to Veronica for your wonderful presence and your puns this week. Uh, everybody, re we really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time. Take it easy, everybody.